Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. And it is Thursday, August 11th, 2022. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Articles of Confederation today. But before we do that, I'd like to invite you to check out the website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. And there's all kinds of information there, including the new iTeraCare device, which is really uh, taking on a life of its own. Been in the country, in this country for about, uh, well, since the beginning of the year. It's in 40 other, or 39 other countries, and the number is growing. Uh, we just opened up Nepal recently. So yeah, things are cooking right along, but this thing is really helping people out, having great results, myself included, and I encourage you to check those things out. If you have any questions, be sure and hit the contact me button, send me an email or call and leave a message. Yes, my phone is working <laughs> again, finally. So you can do that now and uh, it works, um, but just have fun with the site and uh, check out the radio shows tab. And at the top of the page is a link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. Then scrolling down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do, when they're on, and how you listen. And at the bottom of the page is a link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. Now keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only. So that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That having been said, we're not going to take any more time from our guest. Mike Gaddy, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Jim. I hope you are. You have to be out of breath after all that stuff. <laughs> Well, the ITAR care device is helping me out. I've been drinking the charged water and everything, and I'm just loaded with energy today. <laughs> no, well, I'm doing good. Super. Yeah. Oh, you're not uh, you're not ahead with this chicken cut off today, right? Not today. Although I've been running like one, but I managed to keep the parts from getting severed. <laughs> <laughs> super. Oh. Well, uh, I I was really uh, happy when you uh, sent me the uh, message that. Uh, Someone had actually requested we talk about the Articles of Confederation, uh, Jim, because I think uh, I have been remiss in uh, not uh, telling people that, uh, like your old-time radio station, we do take requests. Yeah, yeah. and uh, for uh, to everybody out there, for, especially for Ann in Staten Island, this one's for you. And um, I meant, I've been meaning I, uh, to, to reread the Articles of Confederation, but it's been so long since I've looked it over. And this week has just been so busy, I haven't had a chance, but I'm just doing it right before the show. And I'll tell you what, just up through Article 4, I can see why this document was such a pain in the butt to the people that drafted the Constitution. Uh, so I'll let you take it from there, but uh, fantastic document. Kind of wish we were still working with it. Oh, well, uh, there's some interesting stories to go along with that, Jim, but uh, the uh, Articles of Confederation were written, you know, 1777, 1778, mm -hmm. primarily by John Dickinson. Uh, John Dickinson was from Pennsylvania. John was an interesting character because he attended, very, very brilliant, uh, during the uh, Revolutionary Era, he wrote under a, a series of articles under uh, the name The Farmer, 
Now, that is to differentiate between the anti-federalists who came along after the Constitution and wrote as some wrote as the farmer. But uh, he wrote uh, quite some entertaining and some very intellectual pieces. But one of the oddities about Mr. Dickinson is that he was a delegate to the First Continental Congress or the first uh, where they came up with the Declaration of Independence. And when the Declaration of Independence was written and it was time to sign it, John Dickinson would not sign the Declaration of Independence. He didn't believe that separation from England was the proper route. But as you know, you could you can look at this two ways. One of the things he insisted upon doing was leaving the convention so that the vote on the Declaration of Independence would be unanimous. So he got up and left and would not vote. So everyone who was left made it a unanimous vote. Uh, Dickinson was then, you know, later chosen as the chairman at the Annapolis Convention. Again, a very brilliant individual. But still, even then, he thought we were better off staying with England than we were by separation. So uh, then when the Second Continental Congress gets together, 1777, in that era, he is the primary author, again, not to be redundant, but he's the primary author of the Articles of Confederation. And he is the person who penned, first penned the name the United States of America. He's the first person to put that together as a name. Now, Dickinson, uh, again, a quite brilliant individual. But, Jim, as I was uh, preparing for, uh, you know, tomorrow's Whistling Dixie, uh, and I went back and started looking at secession movements in the United States because that uh, basically uh, tomorrow's uh, program on Whistling Dixie is about secession. Was it legal? Was it constitutional? Was it moral? And ironically, when the Federalists were defeated in 1800 in the election that brought Thomas Jefferson in as president, suddenly – from 1803 to 1812, the Federalists, who now were no longer in power, the Federalists who actually put together the Constitution illegally because it was a violation of the Articles of Confederation. But ironically, when they lost power, when Jefferson came in in 1801 as president, won the election of 1800, and when the Congress switched in the 1800 election, that too is very significant because the Democratic-Republicans, as Jefferson's uh, group referred to themselves, as his political movement called themselves, they took over dominance in the Congress as well. Suddenly the Federalists, who wrote the Constitution, who supported the Constitution, who got the Constitution ratified, suddenly, without using the name Articles of Confederation, they wanted to go back to the principles of the Articles of Confederation. Now, that is quite unique, and I think in there, Jim, is a lesson for all of us. 
the people who are controlling the government want complete autonomous power. They want to be able to use the government as a bludgeon to keep the people in line, to steal their money, to take their property, to do whatever they want to. But when one particular party, like the Federalist, lost out and lost control of the government, then suddenly they want restrictions on government that they didn't want when they were in charge. I think that is a critical lesson for so many people. Uh, you know, we need to think about that. And again, Jim, I have people constantly had one this morning going, why do you keep talking about this ancient history for what does that have to do with anything? Well, guess what? <laughs> it has a lot to do with everything. And, you know, as I uh, use the old colloquial phrase, if you don't know what broke it, you don't know how to fix it. So, uh, the articles, Jim, were written and kind of put together 1777, 1778, and then it uh, is sent out to the states for ratification, but it took something like three years to get ratified. Maryland and Virginia was in a huge discussion over water rights on the Potomac and other places. And Maryland did not sign until the 1st of March on 1781. But people must have known what was going on because on the 2nd of March, the very next day, the very first Congress assembled under the Articles of Confederation. Now, as you said, you've read through it, and there are some really tough restrictions there. On government. And even, Jim, when the Federalists controlled the Congress under the Articles of Confederation, they were frustrated because the document itself limited their powers. And that's what we all claim we want now is a limit on government powers. But those limits were there in the Articles of Confederation, and they're quite significant. I believe. And, you know, uh, when you talk to people today, they will suddenly tell you <laughs> that uh, they are <laughs> all for, you know, like, uh, let's say, term limits. Term limits were provided for in the Articles of Confederation. And under the Articles of Confederation, each state had one vote. Now they could send up to six delegates to the convention, to the Congress. They could have six delegates there, but still the state only had one vote. So when an issue came up, the delegates from that state would vote. But regardless, the majority would prevail and that would be the state's vote. So there are some questions about that. Was, uh, you know, it was everyone represented if that is the fact? And, you know, people can say, well, no, maybe the minority wasn't represented in that instance. But uh, jumping, if I may, to Article 1 
and it said that the title, the style of this confederacy shall be the United States of America. It did not say the title of this monarchy, the title of this central government. It said the title of the style of this confederacy shall be the United States of America. Now, Article 2 came directly from a representative from North Carolina. He wrote the entire Article 2 and then Dickinson and put it into the – and that gentleman's name was Thomas Burke, B-U-R-K-E. And <clears throat> he wrote this <clears> – <throat> pardon me – and I will read it for you now, which is just – this was one of the things that just paralyzed the Federalists. They hated this. And they wrote about it in their letters back and forth between when they were moving to destroy the Articles of Confederation. They wrote about this. And here Article 2 says it very succinctly. Each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence. And every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation expressly delegated to the United States and Congress assembled. Now, that was a huge problem, as would show up in the first Congress of the United States, <clears throat> pardon me again, with James Madison. He did not want that word expressly included, and Thomas Tudor Tucker and Aidness Burke from South Carolina at the first uh, uh, in the first Congress, wanted that word expressly put in there because it is extremely important. One word, expressly delegated. Now, Madison said at the first Congress, no government can be held to its expressly delegated powers. It must have powers of implication. And the word expressly was voted down for the Tenth Amendment. That is very critical because with it, with powers of information, the government can do any damn thing it wants to and say that the powers were implied somewhere. The First Bank of the United States came up with implied powers because there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the government the right to create a bank. <clears throat> Pardon me. Article 3. The said states hereby severally enter into a firm league of friendship with each other. A firm league of friendship. All right. For their common defense, the security of their liberties and their mutual and general welfare, binding themselves to assist each other against all offer to or attacks made upon them or any of them on account of religion, sovereignty, trade, or any other pretense whatsoever. So then we go to Article 4. I think you said you've been through that one, Jim. And it says, The better to secure and perpetuate mutual friendship and intercourse among the people of the different states in this union, the free inhabitants of each of these states, paupers, vagabonds, and fugitives from justice accepted, shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of free citizens in several states, and the people of each state shall have free ingress and regress to and from another state 
or any other state, and shall enjoy therein all of the privileges of trade and commerce subject to the same duties, impositions, and restrictions as the inhabitants thereof respectively, provided that such restrictions shall not extend so far as to prevent the removal of property imported into any state to any other state of which the owner is inhabitant, provided also that no imposition, duties, or restrictions shall be laid by any state on the property of the United States or either of them. If any person guilty of or charged with treason, felony, or other high misdemeanor in any state shall flee from justice and be found in any of the United States, he shall upon the end of the governor's power of the state from which he fled be delivered up and removed to the state having jurisdiction of his offense. Full faith and credit shall be given in each of these states to the records acts and judicial proceedings of the courts and the magistrates of every other state. Now, that is a critical statement, Jim, because if you just followed that, you would have no need of the federal courts and you would have no need of the Supreme Court. Again, let me read that. Full faith and credit shall be given in each of these states to the records, acts, and judicial proceedings of the courts and magistrates of every other state. So the entire judicial branch was unnecessary under the Articles of Confederation, and there was none. And think how simple that would be. As each state says, okay, we will honor your rulings in your state. We don't need a complete federal-dominated judicial branch which is totally useless, Jim. It's it's useless today. Pretty much. And so I, I don't think people appreciate the utter simplicity of the Articles of Confederation. And then Article 4, for the more convenient management of the general interest of the United States, delegates shall be annually appointed in such manner as the legislatures of each state shall direct to meet in Congress on the first Monday in November in every year with a reserved state to recall its delegates or any of them at any time within the year and to send others in their stead for the remainder of the year. There, Jim, in Article 5 is immediate recall. Yep. If someone says, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure this happens, and they get to Congress and they do just the opposite, guess what? Yank them back. Get on back here, dummy. You done messed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get back here. You don't have to sit and watch what they do for two years or six years or four years. Also, in the Articles of Confederation, there was no need for a, an executive branch. You didn't need it. If you followed the uh, contingencies, if you followed the uh, lessons of the Articles of Confederation, if you followed the dictates, you didn't need an executive. And the executive was left out because they didn't want a damn king. And if we go back to the uh, anti-federalist arguments, especially in Virginia, Patrick Henry said, and ye shall have a away with your president. You will have a king. Well, what do we have today? Dictator. 
king sloppy drawers. Yeah, it's the same thing. We have a monarchy. And then we move on. It says, no state shall be represented in Congress by less than two nor more than seven members. I think I said six. I uh, take that back. I'm sorry. And will be capable of being a delegate for more than three years in any term of six years. Ooh. <laughs> term limits. Nor shall, nor shall any person being a delegate be capable of following any office under the United States for which he or another for his benefit, receives any salary fees, emolument of any kind or emolument. Each state shall maintain its own delegates in a meeting of the states and while they act as members of the committee of the states. In determining questions in the United States and Congress assembled, each state shall have one vote. Freedom of speech and debate in Congress shall not be impeached or questioned in any court or place or place out of Congress, and the members of Congress shall be protected in their persons from arrest and imprisonments during the time of their going to and from and attendance on Congress, except or breach of the peace. No state without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled shall send any embassy to or receive any embassy from or enter into any conference, agreement, alliance, or treaty with any king, prince, or state, nor shall any person holding any office or profit or trust under the United States or any of them except of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever prince, foreign state, nor shall the United States in Congress assembled or any of them grant any title of nobility. Sorry, lawyers, you're on your own. No two or more states shall enter into any treaty, confederation, or alliance, whatever between them, without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled, specifying accurately the purpose for which the same is to be entered into and how long it shall continue. No state shall lay any impost or duties which may interfere with any stipulations and treaties entered into by the United States and Congress assembled with any king, prince, or state in pursuance of any treaties already proposed by Congress to the courts of France and Spain. No vessel of war shall be kept up in time of peace by any state except by the United States and Congress assembled for the defense of such state or its trade, nor shall any body of forces be kept up by any state in any time of peace except such number only as in the judgment of the United States and Congress assembled shall be deemed requisite to garrison the forts necessary for the defense of such state. But every state shall always keep up a well-regulated and disciplined militia, sufficiently armed and accoutred, and the, shall provide and constantly have ready for use in public stores a number of field pieces and tents and a proper quantity of arms, ammunition, and camps equipped equipage i'm sorry no state shall engage in any war without the consent of the united states and congress assembled unless such state be actually invaded by enemies or shall have received certain advice of a resolution being formed by some nation of indians to invade such state and the danger is so imminent as not to admit of a delay till the united states and congress assembled can be consulted 
nor shall any state grant commissions to any ships or vessels of war, nor letters of mark or reprisal, except it be after a declaration of war by the United States and Congress assembled, and then only against the kingdom or state and the subjects thereof, against which war has been so declared, and under such regulations as shall be established by the United States and Congress assembled, unless such state be infested by pirates, in which case vessels of war may be fitted out for that occasion and kept so long as the danger shall continue, the United States and Congress assembled shall determine otherwise. Mike, let me stop so, you there. Um, we got a bad connection, please. I think, because um, you're fading in and out from time to time, and a lot of the good stuff is being uh, skipped. Let me um, go ahead and try and reconnect with you and see if we get a better connection. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Sounds like a plan to me. Okay, give me just a second. I'm going to cut this to connection. I'll get you right back. Just a second. Hopefully that'll be a better one. <laughs> this is well, too good to miss. I don't want to so. miss anything. And I don't want anybody else to well, either. Well, let's hope so, Jim. And, you know, and I'm sure uh, I hate to just read stuff to people because that, that is kind of boring. It's boring for me as well as for the people. But I think at times there are things that need to be pointed out in here mm -hmm. about the Articles of Confederation. Yeah. And again, every party or every group of people who is not in power at the time right now, the Republicans in this country would love to have the Articles of Confederation. <laughs> yeah. I promise you, they would love to have it. But when Trump was in office, when Bush was in office, when Reagan was in office, they did, they wouldn't like it. Yep. Because it restricts their power. And I think that is most telling, and people ought to look at that, is that... Again, as soon as the Federalists who created this Constitution, who were predominant in writing it, as soon as they lost power in 1800, they wanted to get rid of this thing, which could be used to dominate them instead of them using it to dominate someone else. And the lesson here is that government is used to dominate people. I don't believe anyone can offer an effectual argument against that. Do you, sir? I do not. So, again, I think it is critical that we understand history. You know, mm -hmm. Santiana said those who fail to learn the lessons of history are destined to repeat its mistakes. Marcus Tullius Cicero said those who are ignorant of their own history shall remain forever children. Bingo. So... We look at the articles, and even, and I think this is so critical, even when the Federalists got control of the Congress, that was the only branch of government was Congress. You had no judicial, no executive. So that was the only branch of government was Congress. Even when the Federalists got control of it, and they did, they got control of it early on. When they got control, the limits within that Articles of Confederation kept them from being tyrannical, even when they had control. 
And Jim, I think that is so critical as to what we need in government today. Regardless of the crazy bastard that gets elected to office, regardless of their motives, if you had the Articles of Confederation, number one, as soon as they were found out to be complicit, they're called back home. Number two is that the fact that you're only going to have to put up with them for three out of any six years term limits. And the other thing is, regardless of who they are, they have one vote in a state. They do not control the state. They have one vote in the state. There are no executive orders. There is nothing that there are no federal agencies. There is no standing army that of federal agents that that uh, Patrick Henry warned us warned us against. We wouldn't have that. So you can understand why today, and that shows the duplicity and the hypocrisy of the American public and how they have been led into this, is the fact that if we had today, Republicans would rejoice if they had the powers of the Articles of Confederation. Number one, there would be no executive. Joe Biden would have to go sniff somewhere else. And then we would have no federal judiciary. Each state would make its own decisions, but those decisions would have to be in line with the other states. So, and it, it is so easy to understand. Well, the Federalist and Hamilton got so, Alexander Hamilton got so upset. He was a delegate from New York. And he got so upset at what he called the imbecility of the government under the Articles of Confederation. He resigned and went home. Now, how well off, better off would we be today if these people up there like Schumer, Pelosi and these others got so frustrated because they couldn't dominate us that they retired and went home? <laughs> Oh, boy. So that be nice? Oh, it would be absolutely fantastic. Here, I think, again, and I don't mean to be redundant, but is the critical point that Patrick Henry brought up in the Virginia Ratification Conventions. There are no controls in that government under the Constitution. There is no way to punish the people who violate their own oath or their own provisions or the rules, there is no provision to punish them. The Articles of Confederation offered that. But here is what happened is the Federalists in control in 1785 tried to pass taxes, confiscatory taxes, and they wanted these taxes so that they could repay those members of Congress who held bonds and stocks in the Bank of North America. They wanted to be paid and they wanted to use government to make sure they were paid. We think that's still going on today? <laughs> so they wanted to make sure that they got their money. Well, there was this crazy thing called Article 13, which states that the only thing 
the only way you can pass a regulation or pass anything else is for every state to agree with that. Not nine out of 13, not a majority, not three quarters of a majority. Everyone had to agree to that. Now, in the debate about the writing of the Articles of Confederation, what was pointed out, Jim, was consent of the governed in the, article, in the Declaration of Independence. And that would have done away with the majority ruling the minority. And as we know in society in America today, the majority of the people in this country are dumber than a rock. Yep. Why, sh why should the people who have no knowledge, who don't want to have any knowledge, why should they be able to control the people who do? Government provides that for them, and the government has provided under the Constitution. The government under the Articles of Confederation did not provide that. There is another provision in the Articles of Confederation, very seldom ever mentioned, but the only subjects that this Congress assembled could discuss are items that was brought to it by a state. So they couldn't decide to, oh, well, let's send money to the Ukraine unless a state brought that to them and said, okay, let's discuss this. Then every state had to agree. That's the very essence of consent of the governed. The Declaration of, of, uh, Declaration of Independence doesn't say that uh, consent of the majority of the people. It doesn't say consent of three-quarters of the people. It says consent of the governed. The Articles of Confederation gave that. And on three separate occasions, 1785, 1786, the government, the Congress tried every way they could to place a confiscatory tax on the people, a mandatory tax, a mandatory individual tax, not a tax of taxing every taxing uh, from impost or uh, from anything like that, uh, imports or stuff. They wanted to impose an income. We call it an income tax today, but they wanted an individual tax. That was the term of the day, not income, but a tax on individuals. And Patrick Henry in the Virginia Ratification Convention spoke out against this very strongly when he said that we should never allow any individual tax to be placed. It should always be the state because the federal or the central government cannot put a state in jail, but they can an individual. And that was one of the reasons Patrick Henry gave for, a, he did not like. And that's something that uh, I probably should bring up now, that on June the 5th of 1788, at the Virginia Ratification Convention, the Federalists had finally gotten so tired of trying to get by Article 13. And at one point in time, the only state holding out on a tax, an individual tax, was the state of Virginia. 
I'm sorry, the state of New York. So they wanted so badly, the Congress wanted so badly to bring them in, and also Rhode Island on another occasion, on two separate occasions. They actually sent a delegate of people, a delegation of people to go to the assemblies of the state in Rhode Island and New York and even make threats to get this tax through. Well, New York on one occasion said no. Twelve states said yes. New York said nope, uh, we're not putting up with that tax because you don't have our consent. On another occasion, it was Rhode Island, and they said nope, we're not going to do it. Well, on another occasion, they sent enough delegates to New York to talk them into doing it, and the delegates in Virginia who had previously voted for it saw that they were willing to use extortion and force to pass that, and they rescinded their vote. So it's really tough to get everybody to go along with your scheme, especially if it's an oppressive scheme. But after 1785, and they saw the futility that they were not going to get this done, they called for a meeting at Mount Vernon. And they all went there to meet and to talk about it. Well, Alexander Hamilton had started screaming against the Articles of Confederation in less than a year after they had actually taken effect. He was screaming about the limits of the uh, that uh, it was too restrictive back in 1782, which is about the same time he created his own bank in the city of New York. Well, anyway to uh, move along with that thought. So then there started a campaign after that meeting in uh, Mount Vernon. There started a campaign where they went to all of their sources who own newspapers and what have you, and they started yelling and complaining about what was going on. The country was going to hell. Uh, there were uh, countries were planning to invade the U.S. People were poor. People were the only reason people were having a problem with income and what have you was the fact that even the state taxes that had been put in place to pay these stockholders. Thus, we why we had the Shays Rebellion in 1787. The common working people were going to be taxed to pay back these wealthy fat cats. Sound familiar? So <laughs> that that was the problem that was giving them. And so then they started making up all of these things that was wrong to scare the people. Oh, imagine that, scaring the people into agreeing with government tyranny. Ah, that's never happened. But anyway, so they came up with all of these. No one disassembled. That complete BS, no one tore it apart and proved it to be lies better than did Patrick Henry in the Virginia Ratification Convention on June the 5th of 1788. If you don't believe it, people, bring up that speech. Go back and read it. He proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything they claimed that was going crazy in this country and why we needed a new government was, in fact, false. 
That's why today, when you study American history, the only thing you know about Patrick Henry is he preferred liberty to death. Because he disassembled their complete program. He totally did. And if you read through it, it is just... And be careful when you read through some of these things. One of the things that... Uh, the, uh, our crazy triumvirate of D.W. and Cal and myself have discovered is that when you go to some of these speeches or some of these essays at sites like uh, Teaching U.S. History and other sites that are out there, there are actually paragraphs removed from these essays. There are paragraphs that are no longer there from the speeches of P Patrick Henry, if you can find all of the speeches of Patrick Henry. At one time, five years ago, 10 years ago, on the internet, you could go and download and look, which I'm thankful that I did years ago, plus I got actual copies of his presentations at the University of Virginia. But he spoke for 17 of 23 days one day for seven hours without a teleprompter, Jim, and without a speechwriter. Imagine that. A man with passion. Mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why we don't read about him anymore. That's why we don't know anything about Patrick Henry except give me liberty or give me death. And there's a reason for that. And as I brought up to my class on Tuesday on Teach Me uh, Telegram platform. When people tell me they're a constitutionalist and they talk about, oh, yes, I stand for the Constitution, I say, okay, well, tell me all you know about Patrick Henry, Samuel Bryan, and Luther Martin. It's because if you do not, <laughs> yeah, if you don't know everything those three men did, and had to say, you are not a constitutionalist. You're an indoctrinated idiot. Mm -hmm. Because those three guys really laid it out there. So the articles are absolutely, you know, we look at them today. Did they have, did they need some tweaking? Oh, yes. Patrick Henry admitted that. Several other people admitted, yes, they need some tweaking. They were put out there. We've had some experiences. Let's tweak them. But here is something that most people don't know, is that there were amendments produced to the Congress under the Articles of Confederation. There were amendments submitted by the states to the Congress assembled and these amendments would have gone a long way in curing the issues, but the Federalists who controlled the Congress could not deal with those amendments because it would have kept the Articles of Confederation in place and would have made the Articles even stronger. So they completely ignored the amendments that were sent to them for discussion. They never voted on them. They never read them formally because they knew they could not allow that because that would have precluded their march 
for a totally new government that they accomplished in Philadelphia, which was, in fact, a criminal conspiracy, regardless of how you want to look at it, because the law of the land at that time, up until New Hampshire ratified in June of 1788, the law of the land was the Articles of Confederation. And almost everything the Federalists did at the Constitutional Convention was unconstitutional. And imagine, if you will, people believing that a constitution was created by a group of people who were not following the constitution that they were bound by. They ignored it. The Articles of Confederation were never mentioned at the, I mean, at the Constitutional Convention. And Jim, I found this just recently. I brought it up to the class on Tuesday uh, on Telegram. But I just recently found a, let, a, a proclamation, in essence, from the Pennsylvania uh, General Assembly in 1788. And they admitted in that proclamation that their delegates, their seven delegates, which were sent to the convention, that their seven delegates violated the authority that they were given by the state of Pennsylvania. They did not do as they were instructed. And in that document, the General Assembly says those delegates were not acting for the state of Pennsylvania. They were acting on their own to create the Constitution. That is... You know, I, and like I said, I found this document within the past month or so. That was so telling for the state of Pennsylvania to say, you didn't act for us. You acted on your own. <laughs> you think we have any of that going on today, Jim? Do you think any of the representatives that we voted for go somewhere and act strictly in their own interest instead of the interest of the people? Speaker of the House, for starters. And it goes on down from there. Oh, pardon me. I had to get a drink of water there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, without a doubt. But then again, you know, like I said, the articles were not weak. The articles were there. I have a list of all of the amendments, Jim, that uh, were proposed to the Congress assembled under the Articles of Confederation. I have a list of all of those amendments, uh, which I will send to you as soon as the program's over so you can post them if you would so desire, sir. Sure. Definitely. So it gives the people a chance to see that, yes, amendments were offered to the Articles of Confederation. That's what the delegates were sent to Pennsylvania to do why, why did they need to go to Philadelphia to do it? They could have sat in Congress assembled and looked over the amendments that were already proposed. But what they couldn't do is destroy the Articles of Confederation. They had to go to Philadelphia to destroy the Articles of Confederation, which were obviously limits on them as a government, which they did not want. So... 
Well, Jim, I've uh, babbled on for about an hour. Do you uh, uh, any wow. questions or any thoughts you might have? Has it been that long already? My goodness. <laughs> oh, man. The one thing I get when I was looking at it is the, um, you could see that it's clearly the wording of it is clearly to maintain and uh, protect the sovereignty and the strength of the states rather than to create this all-powerful central government that basically will absorb the states and do everything for them. That's what I like the best out of this thing is it uh, protected them and it protected the right to travel, as it mentions, I think it was in mm -hmm. Article 3, you know, from one right. to another with un without being impeded. Um, all of the things that are in there that, you know... <laughs> today uh, are covered, just being attacked left and right and it covered extradition as well you mm -hmm. couldn't commit a you couldn't commit a crime in one state and run to the other for protection yeah and uh i like the wording in uh let me get back there um in article four uh the states the union free inhabitants of each of these states paupers vagabonds and fugitives from justice accepted so in other words they made it a point to make sure that the person had to have some sort of wherewithal about them. Uh, they couldn't be, uh, you know, living on the street and have a vote kind of thing where, you know, they have no, no stake in, in what they're voting on, basically. It's like uh, today where you have someone who lives in an apartment complex who can uh, vote to increase the property tax that the owner of the property is going to have to pay, which ultimately will be passed on to them, and they don't realize it. Um, right. <laughs> you know, all the all the cr crazy stuff that's going on. But uh, basically you had to have a stake in things, and you, you know, were expected to have some sort of uh, intellect about you and some knowledge of what was going on. Um, I just, you know... I, it, it, it would be interesting to see what would have happened had the people that went to the uh, Constitutional Convention actually done what they were charged with doing. If they had really gone and worked to bring proper amendments to the Articles. Just imagine what our government and what the country would look like today if that had taken place instead of the usurpation that was taken that took over instead. But, uh, well, the other thing, Jim, that I think Article 13, I, I'm going to read that uh, again. I don't like to just read to people, but Article 13, I think, is very critical. And it says every state shall abide by the determination of the United States and Congress assembled on all questions which by this confederation are submitted to them. Now, that's the part I said before. That is critical, and most people don't think about it, was the federal Congress could not discuss anything that wasn't submitted to them by one of the states. They couldn't come up with stuff on their own. It had to be submitted to them. And then it had to be uh, each state would abide by it once it was passed. But and the articles of this confederation shall be shall be inviolably observed by every state, and the union shall be perpetual. Well, that didn't last, did it? <laughs> what, less than Nor 10 shall years. any. 
<laughs> nor shall any alteration at any time hereafter be made in any of them unless such alteration be agreed to in a Congress of the United States and be afterwards confirmed by the legislatures of every state. Yeah, every state. Equal suffrage. Now, that is what just absolutely was destroying James Madison. Because if you look at this in 1775, his, in 1786, his letters that he sent out, especially one to George Washington, where he said, we must eliminate the states except where they could be subordinately useful. We must eliminate the states. That is what he was saying was we need to destroy Article 2 of the Articles of Confederation. <laughs> this is why they, they were limited. And they, the people who have power always want more, Jim. You and I know that from our lifetimes. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen anybody say, well, I've got enough power. Uh, you guys go ahead and keep the rest of it. <laughs> Or we're going to give no. some back. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll give you some of this back because we have too much. We don't need this. Uh, it's never going to happen. It's human nature. And the thing of it is, if you're going to have a government, that government has to be designed with the fact, as Patrick Henry alluded to in the Virginia Ratification Convention, that people are going to be human. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. People will do things that you would not think they would do when they get power. It's human nature. It's the flaw of mankind. We've all read about it. We've all studied it. We all know it. We know that it's there. And a government has to be designed, if you decide you want a government, it has to be designed to deal with those problems. It has to make strict penalties for people who do not follow the rules. We don't have those. They did not want them in the Constitution. They did not want any rules against the people who were in government. So they didn't establish any. That's the reason they voted unanimously not to have a Bill of Rights. And they were hoping they would be able to get that constitution by the people before they realized what was happening, and they would demand a Bill of Rights. Unfortunately, they didn't do that, but then the first House of Representatives and the first Senate destroyed the very idea of a Bill of Rights with their wonderful legal pandering and legal word salad. And the wonderful... Uh, people like Antonin Scalia of the Supreme Court who said the rights of the people shall always be subject to reasonable restrictions. Well, the people don't get to decide what's reasonable. Somebody decides that for them. So uh, that was Article 13, and that, that, is, that one with the last part, that no act of Congress can be adhered to without the agreement of every state legislature. That had crippled them on multiple occasions. They had to get away with that. They had to get, a, had to get away from Article 2 as well. And they certainly had to get rid of that perpetual thing. 
And the irony, Jim, is that later on, especially Abraham Lincoln and Judge uh, John Marshall and Judge Joseph Story all claimed that the Constitution was perpetual because the Articles of Confederation were perpetual. perpetual. <laughs> kind of like military intelligence, uh, oxymoron. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or, you know, jumbo shrimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or a baby grand piano. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's oxymoronic. But, you know, then you have, uh, like I said, you have Lincoln saying, well, the Constitution, the Union is perpetual because it said so in the Articles of Confederation. Yeah, well, nowhere in the history, and I researched this, nowhere in the history of contract law has a new contract been able to absorb the points of a previous contract without so listing those limitations. Mm-hmm. So to say that the from one contract to another, there are implied powers. Oh, where'd you get that, Mr. Madison? Mm-hmm. So, Jim, I hope we have covered the uh, Articles of Confederation to the um, wishes of the lady who asked for them. Uh, I would, uh, it would be wonderful if she was listening so she could uh, uh, ask us uh, any questions that she might have. I, uh, she's not on the Jitsi board. I know that. And she's been having phone problems. So I'm sure she's probably listening. Uh, but whether she can actually call in, uh, there's no way to call in other than via Jitsi at this point. So we're kind of dead in the water, <laughs> but hopefully, uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to her. And if she has any additional questions, I might be able to bring them up on future shows. You know, I, I see interesting, you know, the signers of this document, uh, some very interesting ones in here. You know, we have John Hancock, Sam Adams, Elbridge Ger- Jerry, um, those guys, uh, William Ellery, uh, some of the same people that were Roger Sherman. But then we have John Witherspoon, I like that. Um, but Governor Morris from New York and Robert Morris from Pennsylvania, uh, the same guys that kind of took over the Constitutional Convention were in here too i'm kind of wondering you know they just must have been those kind of guys that were always you know around to do whatever they could and i would it would be interesting to see what kind of input they actually had on drafting this uh uh thing the other thing i find interesting is you know with the constitution um in order to you know if they're going to put in an amendment and do away with something they actually have to have an amendment in that says you know this section is hereby repealed or something to that effect but nowhere in the constitution does it say anything about the articles of confederation are hereby repealed and this will be the new form of government for the united states of america there's nothing in there so in effect you could make the argument the articles of confederation are still in force couldn't you well, I would think so. I think one, but you're never going to get a uh, a federal court to agree to that, Jim. Well, of course not, and that's why we shouldn't have the federal courts in the first place. <laughs> right. That's why the articles were so good. Here's the thing that I 
does anyone ever actually investigated what kind of monetary savings America would have if they didn't have a federal judiciary and a federal executive? Oh, my goodness. Well, just look what's happened in the last couple of weeks. This so-called, what do they call it, the Inflation Control Act or some kind of thing like that? Yeah, we're going to stop this by spending even more money and printing even more money to cover what we're spending, which is going to further increase inflation. You know, that's the insanity. You know, what they should be doing is cutting back on federal agencies and say, we're laying off these people to save money. You know, we're getting rid of this. But, of course, that's not the way government works. It always enlarges itself. It never makes itself smaller. And now we're going to have a virtual doubling of the um, uh, IRS. You know, they have like 90,000 employees now, and they're going to add another 87,000 to it. Uh, It's going to be one of the largest groups in government so to speak you know potentially armed groups in government and uh oh yeah well, we're only going to be going after the the very wealthy the one or two percent why do we need oh, yeah, seven thousand right. agents to go after one or two percent of the population <laughs> you well know, you do notice that they didn't want to add eighty-seven thousand new agents to the border patrol right oh if anything, they want to take the guys from the Border Patrol and put them into the IRS. Exactly. <laughs> Jim, know. that was one of the things. I hate to jump a tangent here. and I'm, uh, Help yourself. But, Chase uh, a rabbit. <laughs> one, one of the things that I remember living in Tucson, Arizona, one of the things I wanted to do, I had a neighbor who was a sergeant in the uh, Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. And I had another uh neighbor who was a lieutenant with the drug squad in Tucson. And we talked about, we were all very, very much interested in Second Amendment rights. And we used to sit and talk about those. We would have get-togethers at my place or one of the other two places. And, uh, you know, the thing that brought us together was our kids were involved in rodeo. And the... uh, And so I had an arena at my place in Tucson. So we had a lot of get togethers over there because uh, everyone didn't have that much room to uh, have. uh, But one day we're sitting around talking while the kids are out there, uh, you know, practicing their rodeo events in the arena. And we came up with the idea. Let's uh, we said, hey, why don't we form a youth training center? for gun safety and let's bring let's bring the kids in let's uh, you know issue out in the community and uh you know and i thought here we're definitely going to have credibility we've got a sergeant with the border patrol we've got a lieutenant with the local drug squad and so we put out a notice well jim the we held it at my house the very first meeting and we had like 20-some kids show up from a relatively small community. And the one thing that we required was that the parents come with them to the first meeting and sign that they had their consent to be there. Hmm. And so we brought these kids together, and we started teaching them. Number one, the first two sessions were just classroom activities of mm-hmm. gun safety. 
Right. And we taught them, you know, the simple things, uh, the function, you know, safety rules, safety protocols, all of the different things. And then it got to be, Jim, it really got to be a fun event. It became fun for us because the next thing we know, the Tucson uh, Trap and Skeet Club invited us to come out. They provided the shotguns. They provided the ammunition. They provided the, uh, you know, somewhat instruction to let the kids, these in our group, and, you know, we had a, a limit of uh, 16 years old, 9 to 16, and we had the kids come out, and they got to do trap and skeet. And then we actually had uh, the uh, guy from the police department actually brought out, Jim, some automatic weapons. Now, we were well on in our certification, but we, we had kids actually able to fire an automatic weapon on the firing range. Mm-hmm. And then they had the international competition of silhouette shooting held at the Tucson Rod uh, and Gun Club. And so we went in and volunteered our kids to be, you know, uh, paint targets and to, to do the things. And the kids were just so excited about this. So we had that for quite some time. And then at the largest non-motorized parade in America, which they hold in February in Tucson around the uh, rodeo there, our kids actually marched in that parade wearing long coats like the, uh, you know, the long riders. The dusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they wore all of that. The kids loved it. They ate it up. And it was really uh, quite interesting. And then we did some long-range shooting with them. We had, we brought them out. We had uh, I brought uh, two of my rifles. I had a two twenty three and I had a three oh eight in uh, configuration sniper configuration. And uh, we brought them out with the, you know some nice optics, and they got to shoot at targets three hundred meters away. To watch the look on these kids' face, Jim, was just absolutely amazing. But I said all of that, that was a fond memory for me, but I said all of that to bring up the fact that the sergeant with the Border Patrol, we would sit and have conversations, and especially he and his friend with the, uh, our neighbor with the uh, Tucson uh, Drug Squad. They had a lot of stories they would exchange back and forth. But the sergeant with the Border Patrol brought up some very interesting facts. And he said, you know, one of the things that really troubles me is he said, we will find a high volume ingress into the United States used by drug uh, mules and other stuff. And he said, we will find that and we will be set up on it. And he said, we will get orders from Washington to move away to another area. Yeah. He, He said, it is plain and simple to me what's going on here. He said, we are moved away from high traffic areas and we are sent to remote areas where you would have to have a billy goat to get up the road. And so I look at that because, and and, and all of this came back to my head. I'm sorry for running off on a tangent, Jim, but all of that popped back into my head after consideration of what we just said about why didn't we have 87,000 new Border Patrol agents. Yeah. Because they want to control your money 
more right. than they want to control the immigration problem in this country. Yeah. Doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that one out. Nope. You know, they're doing everything they can to destroy this country rather than build it up and strengthen it. Oh, yes. Uh, that uh, has been obvious to me for the last uh, 40 years, Jim. Yeah. Well, let's open it up. If anybody has any questions, feel free to jump in, and uh, now's the time to ask them. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Anybody at all. Got plenty of folks in the jitsi room today. Now, will we put them all to sleep again, Jim? I'm beginning to wonder. They're all muted. If they, if not, we'd hear the snoring, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Jeez. They ought to open up their mic so we can hear them snore. <laughs> That's the, and I don't see Robert. He would have had a, if I may. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I I, uh, I got two phone calls from Robert this morning, and unfortunately I wasn't able to take either one of them. I was busy uh, uh, doing some things to uh, for my wife with the first call, and then the second call, Jim, I was sending you uh, part two uh, for tomorrow's uh Whistling Dixie. Yeah, I've uh, listened to some of part one and sounds good. And I don't have, won't hear anywhere near the editing to do. I think I'm just going to drop them into the system and let them go. I'm uh, looking forward to part two. And uh, we should, there should be, there should be just the right length so I can get everything put together and have everything work out time wise. So I'm looking forward well, to Well, I that. hope. I hope we, as we move along, we can get this down to an art to where you don't have to do so much work with it, Jim. I certainly appreciate what you're doing. Well, from but, what I uh, can see here, it should it should go pretty quickly. Um, I don't think there's going to be any problem. Last uh, week, because of the rainstorm and the gaps and things, there was an issue. But I think everything is, with these files look real good. So it's just well, a matter of dropping them into the system and plugging in a little music or something here at the beginning and end and whatnot. And it should be good to go. Ironically, Jim, it was, <laughs> I started laughing myself just as I finished up the last part of part two or the second hour, just as I finished that up, we got hit with a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, and that and I, uh, metal roof really oh, resonates. Man, it, sound, <laughs> it sounds like you're under gunfire, doesn't it? Yeah, it's wild, but yeah. hey, should last a lot longer than, uh, you know the shingles so yeah there's a trade-off that's for sure <laughs> well everything's a trade-off everything in life's a trade-off uh, mm -hmm. those of us who are uh you know over 10 years old have figured that one out hadn't it? most of us i know a few people that haven't but <laughs> good grief come on everybody out there come <laughs> there's plenty of people in the chat room somebody's got to have a question or a comment about the uh articles of confederation or anything else for that matter i, I would hope so yeah. Or we can open up to other things. What do you think about the uh, the big old raid down there in uh, Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> uh, Talk about a know, fishing I've, expedition. Yeah, I've I've talked to people about that. I I you know, and people were saying, "Well, what do you think about this?" And I said, Don't "Well, surprise me. I think it's I think it's part of the psyop. I think you know we have to keep uh, the media has to keep the political right." all fired up about Trump. I, that is something they have to do to keep that attention. 
Uh, plus, you know, the monkey pox wasn't selling real well. So, you know, we got to come up with some emotional thing to hit the people with. But, you know, I was looking into that. I've got a, a, a gentleman that I met at the, uh, uh, you know, up at the uh, Dixie Republic uh, on July the 9th. I met this uh, young man, a very intelligent young man who is down in uh, Florida, and he's actually uh, working towards his law degree. And we had quite a bit of discussion on uh, law and uh, precedent uh, at the uh, meeting when we had the opportunity to talk. Young man with three beautiful children, a wonderful wife. Uh, he's probably in his 30s, early 30s or something like that, but he's really got his head on his shoulders and he's, uh, you know, he's working towards forming a political group down there. He and I had a short discussion, or at least on Facebook, about the raid and uh, then I, it, which prompted me to do a little research. And then I said, you know, if we really had state sovereignty, DeSantis, if he was real, could have kicked the FBI out of Florida. Definitely. If the, if the mm -hmm. state is really sovereign, they can tell the federal government, hey, you don't, you know, Here's the thing I think, Jim, and I brought this up in a discussion. I think people do not understand. George Wallace caught hell for standing on the steps of the University of Alabama, barring a black student from being admitted. And that's the way it was portrayed by the media. And even at the time when it happened, I thought, you know, that's kind of stupid. But then later on, when I actually read what happened, George Wallace's, you know, his resistance was the fact that the federal government does not have the right to come into my state and tell me what I have to do. Yeah. That was his point. His point, and of course, it played right into their hands with the racial aspect. But... Wallace made in a statement, he said, I would have done the same thing if it had been a white student. Mm -hmm. I would have done the same thing if it would have been a Jewish student. I would have done the same thing regardless who it was. The federal government does not have the right to come into the state of Alabama and tell us what we have to do. Right. And, of course, yeah, again, you know, we all look at that. Oh, look at the racist. Look what he was doing. And uh, but, you know, the same thing had happened in uh Arkansas, what previous to that, when Eisenhower sent in federal troops to force an integration policy during his administration. And what Wallace was doing was saying, you do not have the right to force your dictates on our state if our states are sovereign. Bingo. Now, you can work in concert with us and say, hey, we think this ought to be done, but you have no right to send federal troops into the state telling us you have to do what we say. And I think that is very relevant, Jim. But one of the things I did in my research, and I haven't been able to confirm this, people, so don't say it's written in stone. But the last thing I found out from a source that I value very highly told me that the attorney general of the state of Florida assisted the FBI in obtaining the warrant. 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me. So, you know, when are we ever going to get the states need to be sovereign because if the states aren't sovereign, Jim, you and I aren't sovereign. Exactly. Because if our states won't stand up from federal oppression, we have very little chance. You know, I, I made the statement, if DeSantis was for real, he would have sent federal law enforcement in Florida and the Florida National Guard and have stopped this raid, or at least those who perpetrated this raid would have been escorted out of the state. What do you think would happen, Jim, or any of the listeners? I'd like for them to chime in. What would happen if a governor actually did that and said, look, you're not going to pull this crap in my state anymore? Well, from what I've heard is whenever that happens, then the government, the federal government, uh, threatens to withhold all federal funding to the state. And the state should then say, fine, we're going to withhold all state funding to the feds. You know, we're not going to send you anything, and we're not going to let you enforce income taxes or anything else. Well, because <laughs> all the money to the government flows from the states, so we, you know, that can that door can swing both ways. Well, uh, that to me has always struck me. I think, Jim, that's a, a great point, and I've always said, isn't it ironic that the federal that the state government collects all this money, sends it to the Fed, and the Feds give them about twenty percent of it back and say, now do what we told you. Right. With shekels come shackles. Yes. He's a preacher we friend of once said. Well, how did they take over? Stop and think about this, Jim. How did they take over public education? And I remember when I was a kid, they took it over with free lunch programs, which were provided by the federal government. We'll give you these funds for free lunches or free <laughs> milk. It yeah. started out free milk, mm -hmm. and then it went to free lunches. Yeah. Okay, once they get there, uh, as Andy Carrington Hitchcock and I talked about, once the camel gets his nose under the tent, you wake up the next day and the whole damn camel's in there. Exactly. Uh, Amos and Ala uh, Appalachia, just jump in. You don't have to ask permission. Just, you know, just hop in, unmute, and ask your question. Amos? <laughs> yeah, that or he accidentally clicked the button. Oh, hmm. There he goes. He's unmuted. Go ahead, Amos. You might check, make sure that there's no other mutes on your microphone, on your computer or phone or whatever you're using. Yeah, the operator error. Yeah, sometimes you know, I have a mute button, plus I have the mute thing on Jitsi, and if I don't yeah, have everything too. open right, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I have two or three ways to mute myself. Some people probably wish I had more. <laughs> Some people wish they had a control of my mute. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was my point, Jim. Yep. A lot of people would say, okay, well, you know, gosh, uh, we need to shut that dude up. Yep. Amos? Amos, are you with us? Bummer. Oh, darn the luck. Hmm. He's probably trying from the looks of it. Um. Well, not well, anybody Jim, else? I think, I think <laughs> star six, Amos. Oh, star six to unmute. 
Yeah, day or Amos, if you're on a, if you're on a phone, you might check your star six and make sure you haven't muted it. Well, gosh, Jim, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to take this. My feelings might be hurt that somebody doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> uh, it's Thursday afternoon nap time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 we certainly understand how important feelings are. Yeah, really. You know, they might file a lawsuit. Yeah, something like that. Shoot, sue us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might have all kinds of problems. I'm looking at uh, some approximately 200 million Americans or about two-thirds of the U.S. population reside within 100 miles of the border. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely incredible. Jim, when we lived in Tucson, it was in the 90s, mid-90s. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, uh, we did a lot of horseback riding, and we would ride back into the desert. And uh, I'll tell you... Uh, the things that were amazing was the fact that uh, uh, I told my wife very early on, you ain't riding back there unless you're armed because she would like to go back riding by herself. And we were not that far from the border. So uh, the, the, the influx and what we would find back then in their uh, layup areas where they would sleep at nighttime and then move on was just the things you would find there are, were just totally disgusting. Yeah, um, Amos said he, uh, apparently the unmute didn't work on his computer, but his question was, where can he find Whistling Dixie on the internet? And Murr jumped in and said, tomorrow, during this time slot, on Eurofolk. And apparently, um, I'm assuming, I, I saw something afterwards that uh, I guess everybody on the Jitsi board agreed to, uh, I think somebody must have contacted Paul English and had him simulcast it on Jitsi. Um that's the only way I can think of that it would have happened because I wasn't there to connect everything. Now I played it on my mic. What's that? What's that? I played it on my computer's mic. Oh, okay. That Hi, Mer. Hi. <laughs> Just trying to keep the chickens quiet. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's good. There's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. But uh, yeah, um, definitely the the best sound of it will be on uh, Eurofolk, which you can get to easily from EurofolkRadio.com. Um, and there's a link on my, uh, website, yourdiyhealth.com on the radio shows tab. So that's not a problem at all. And, uh, oops, shut this off. I don't know who that is. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, the, uh, replays will be available after, uh, after the show is, uh, aired, it will be on the, um, um, cast box replay with all the other replays that I post from the show. So tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. You'll have uh, two hours of Mike Gaddy and Whistling Dixie. So that's where you get it. Hopefully that Mike, answered the question. Uh, Mike is going to be a guest Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on RBN, uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener show too. I learned last night, called cool. into where he was hosting, uh, guest hosting National Intel Report when I heard that. Awesome. <laughs> Mike, did you know you were going to be a guest tomorrow? <laughs> Saturday. Or Saturday, I mean. I hope he's still here. Uh-oh. Something hey, happened to Mike. Hey, Jim, I've got a question. Get him back. Yeah, go ahead. Just bringing Mike back somehow. He got dropped. 
I didn't do nothing. I ain't touched nothing. Somebody tried calling in, and I tried to shut them down, and I don't know what happened. I must have cut you off, too. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, whoever it was that had the question, go ahead. Yeah, this is Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. Howdy again. And so I have a friend who <clears throat> is going to have two hip surgeries in another six weeks and then 12 weeks, whatever, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been bringing up the iTerra device. His question is, are there any testimonials that particularly address his kind of bone on bone issue that he has? I was actually listening to one yesterday or the day before. I'll have to see if I can find it. But uh, basically, uh, the person had already had one total knee replacement and was scheduled for another one uh, for the other knee and started mm-hmm. using the Itericare and didn't need to have the other one done. Um, so... I'd like to be able to send him a link to that. I'll see if I can track it down. If I can find it, I'll get it to you. I think it may be posted because most of the good ones that come up, I move them to my um, Telegram, or not my Telegram, my YouTube uh, playlist for iTerraCare. So Um, if you go to YouTube and just punch in my name, Jim Ram, J-I-M-R-A-M-M, it'll come up number one in the search. And just click on it and hit playlists. And I think the second one is the iTerraCare. And uh, right. you can probably find it in there. There's lots of good ones in there, but I think. And if I can find anything else, I'll I'll pass it along to you. Thank you. Thank yep. You. And Amos, uh, you want to give it another shot? Go ahead. You don't have to raise your hand. Just jump in. I have a question. Um, Victoria. Hi. Good to see you. Um, nice to see you guys, too. Um, I'm still trying to figure out where to move. I uh, It's been just nutters but um the whole thing with the 100 mile radius i don't know whether i should be out of that radius and far away from the borders of exit of (laughs) this uh pen that they are creating with these uh, miles or if i should you know factor that in at all or you know i was wondering what your thoughts were on that this day and age, I'd probably want to be as far from the borders as I could get. But, <laughs> Mike, what do you think? I I think that would be good advice, Jim. I would agree. I, uh, you know, living in Tucson for the time that we did and then being involved in the Minuteman Project, I tell you what, I said back in 2005, if the majority of Americans had to spend three days on that border and see what those people who lived there in places like Palominas, uh, Arizona, and other areas that are right on the border. If people lived there, uh, there would be a rebellion in this country within a very short order of time. Uh, I mean, it, it was what I saw in 2005 and, and years after that was absolutely unreal. I mean, there was property down there that was abandoned. And I talked with the sheriff of Cochise County, and I said, what, what about these abandoned farms and stuff? And he said, well, hell, they tried to sell them. Nobody will buy them. Nobody wants to buy anything right on the border because they are under constant invasion. Their fences are cut. Their cattle are killed. Their water is drained out. Uh, they're, uh, you know, if they're not at home, their homes are broken into. Uh, and he said, they can't even sell this property. And he, he showed me a very nice piece of property. The sheriff did a very nice piece of property. And he said, 
these people moved out. He said the uh, they got a little elderly and they couldn't look after things anymore, and they put the house up on the market and no buyers. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants the responsibility of moving there. And so, uh, you know, uh, I remember if uh, I remember having a lady come into the Palomino's Trading Post where we were eating, and this lady comes in and she says. How many of you people are with the Minuteman Project? And, you know, we didn't know whether we were going to get shot or what was going to go on, but we raised our hand. We said, over here, ma'am. And she came over, and this lady had tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you so very much. For at least one month, our home is here. We can't afford to sell. We can't afford to buy somewhere else. But at least for one month while you were here, we could go to sleep at night and not worry about people coming into our homes or being in our yard. She said, I could walk to my mailbox without a gun. And she said, my children and grandchildren could actually play in the yard. So more specifically, would you be entirely out of that 100 mile zone? Uh, I would want a buffer zone of as much as possible. If I could uh, get the 100 miles, but you know, uh, you can look at Phoenix, and Phoenix is probably 100 miles from the border. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to live in Phoenix. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm yes, looking forward to figuring out when the big next earthquake is going to happen and if it's going to be in California. And I should, you know, take go inland in California and have some ocean or in, uh, in uh, Tennessee and have some ocean there. So I'm really going to miss the ocean. Well, Tennessee is your best bet. <laughs> you, you, you're obviously aware of the earthquake that happened along the divide in Memphis uh, back years ago when the Mississippi River flowed backwards, right? Yep, I am. I, I am. thought so. A um, gentleman who is a clairvoyant who's been right about a lot of stuff, he told me to be east of Tennessee because he thinks that the next big earthquake will be in Tennessee, not in California. I've thought that along the divide. I'm sorry, ma'am, but along that uh, continental divide, not the continental divide, but along the divide along the Mississippi River, what is that called again? You know, I am New Madrid. New Madrid. There we go. Thank you, Murr. Murr is, is, is the uh, earlier version of Google. <laughs> yes, she is. She is. It's, uh, I, it. uh, I, I, I asked people now, I said, uh, they said, well, where can I find that? I said, ask Murr. Forget Google, ask Murr. Yeah. We're going to have to say, I'm murring it instead of I'm Googling it. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murr that and find out if you're right or wrong. Uh, one of the things I could tell you, I would not have thought I would have, uh, of course, we were here by necessity for our granddaughter who was, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And that's why we're in middle Georgia. But uh, all things considered, uh, I don't have a lot of complaints about middle Georgia. Okay. Well, and I would, uh, I, I would think that DW uh, could probably tell you there's some awfully nice things about uh, middle Alabama, too. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit about that. It's really humid. Yeah, I keep hearing that. Yeah, too. well, yeah, well, so is hell. <laughs> We're uh, trying to avoid that, Mike. <laughs> actually, I heard hell was pretty dry. 
Well, not it's not dry here. I promise you, we've had sufficient rain. Uh, there, there is no drought, uh, drought going on here. Uh, I'll never forget uh, when uh, we were living in Arizona, and uh, my son was at Virginia Military Institute, and uh, he was going for uh, in his junior year. He was going to Fort Benning, Georgia, which is not far from where I am now. He was going there for jump school. He was going to do his uh, airborne training there uh, during summer break. And uh, he asked me, he said, Dad, how can I prepare for the humidity? And I said, uh, well, son, uh, the best thing I could tell you is find yourself a wet towel, wrap it around your head, and try to suck air through it. You can also get ice vests to wear to keep you cool if you don't have a lung issue. True, true. That would be interesting. Well, thank you so much. Oh, certainly. Just uh, find yourself a good community. And one of the things I have noticed in central Georgia is that, you know, I drive over to Andersonville Prison, you know, where the uh, National Park now, and I go over there, drive around. The one thing I have noticed is that rural Georgia is dying. There are all kind of properties that are vacant. There are even small towns that are, there's nothing there anymore. And mm. from what from what I can learn, property is pretty reasonable in these areas where people have left. So yeah, I've heard of towns going for like two hundred thousand dollars in some places. It's amazing. So you never know. Well, the one thing I saw here we were looking at was a piece of property. Uh, in uh, between us and Andersonville, that was actually an acre of property that was, uh, I, I was just blown away. It was an acre of property with electricity and septic on it. It didn't have a home on it, but an acre of land for eight grand. Mike, are you familiar with Taylor County, Georgia at all? That's Taylor the question in the County? chat room. Taylor County. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the county names. Uh, but uh, if you if you could bring up a city or something, I would probably give you a better idea. Uh, Butler. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the area. Okay. What's the question? Well, let's see if you how fast he types. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. Don't know. Have to wait and see. Uh. Let's see, previous, um, oh, is that the thing about the, uh, Judy, uh, from Roger's show in court? Yeah, I wasn't on, so I don't know any of the details on it, so someone who's familiar with that's going to have to come up and talk about it. Apparently one of the listeners to the previous show was, uh, in a court case in Butler and, uh, ran into Judge Roy Bean, as, as Roger put it. <laughs> Yeah, she said that she oh. was not an inhabitant of Butler County. Hmm. So she she's said in or he said? County to Butler. Hmm. Who said that? Did she say that? Was that her allegation yeah. or his? The yes. judges? We're walking over each other. Still don't know what you said. Yeah, yes, this woman who spoke about Butler and her experiences, she had said that she was not an inhabitant of Butler County. Okay. So she's from a different county nearby. Hmm. Hello. 
and allegedly the judge threatened her? Oh, he had disparaging remarks to say to everybody in court immediately after she exited the courtroom. That's what he, she said. Maybe give a little background. Go ahead, you Mer. Know, <laughs> I'm drafted. Yeah, she has the her son's uh, uh, wife's child. The woman had uh, has three children, but the youngest one... The real father had kicked her when she was pregnant. It's a real small child, you know, trying to make her lose the baby. So then apparently more recently, the little girl got into her mother's meth. And uh, so there's a big. Oops, sorry. And the thing shifted. I was trying to mute Lisa, uh, Victoria because there's some noise in the background. and I actually... That's not the same woman. That's not the same person. I'm talking about the woman who had a traffic citation. Yes, this is the this is the, that is the same woman. Is is, that's why she was down in that county. Oh, okay, right. that motivated her okay. traveling. Yes, okay. right. Okay, so she was traveling back and speeding, and the policeman gave her 69 instead of the 75 and the 55, I think it was, and um, but she had her national status with the Secretary of State, but not had not spread it locally with the. Uh, state attorney general and everyone. So, um, so she, uh, decided to go ahead and take it to court, which happens to be in the next County. So that's where that came from. And then all the heartache <laughs> coming from that. But I said, she's in training for getting this little girl. She's going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops. And this is just training. I think. Well, the one thing when you talk about where you're living, I do not believe there is any area whatsoever that's going to be immune from judicial tyranny. These people, when they get these positions of authority, they believe they are Lord and God over whoever steps into their room because, number one, they get to wear a nice black robe and they sit six feet above everyone else. And everyone who comes in must call them your honor. That's a recipe for disaster. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. Stay out of court. That's what the national thing's all about, is try to keep us staying out of court. But And she could have gone ahead and just paid the ticket. So, yeah, and she did, well, I guess, put that on, on, uh, on her credit card or whatever, and she's thinking of taking it back off and, and fighting this thing just for the principal's sake. Well, good luck with that. One of the things I found out, I was going through a town, and uh, I passed through the town, and suddenly I've got a sheriff behind me with the blue lights flashing, and I pull over, and he says, did you realize that you ran through a uh, stop-and-go flashing red light back there? And I said, no, I didn't realize it, and I was being honest. I, I didn't didn't realize there was a flashing red light back there. He said, well, you went through it. And he said, here's your ticket. And so I got a ticket. And so the next day, my wife and I decided we would ride through there because I wanted to see where the red and white flashing light was. There ain't one. But uh, here is the thing. These people today, since 2001, one of the things we have to understand is since 2001 in this country, all law enforcement training is Mossad-oriented. 
all Americans are to be treated like Palestinians. Yep, JINSA, J-I-N-S-A.org. Yep, it's, this is what has been designed. The courts are backing them up. And, you know, uh, I grew up with the Officer Friendly, uh, where the people who wore a uniform, and Jim, you did it, who were out yep. there to actually trying to help people, yep. and now they are there. I remember a good friend in Colorado who was going to run for sheriff, and he went to the academy to be recertified. He was a retired cop from California, and he said, uh, he told us about uh, three-quarters of the way through the school, I can't do this. This law enforcement training academy is training assassins. They are not training cops. These people are taught not to de-escalate a, a, a situation, but to escalate it, create friction, create problems. Give yourself a reason to shoot somebody. And that was his direct Peace. words. Man. Peace officers, as in take a piece out of you. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to shoot you and then see how you do with that. I mean, there are countless. I mean, look at it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the alleged constitutional attorney, trying to think of his name. Murray, you probably have it on the tip of your tongue there. But uh, he wrote several books about uh, what was happening in this country. He wasn't wrong. About an, and One of the books is called A Nation of Wolves. I can't think of and, it, but I'll look it up. And law enforcement is uh, turned into a uh, uh, just a, a, an arm of oppression. And as I told some people earlier, and I mentioned it on the uh, uh, Whistling Dixie, uh, the three times the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that the police have no obligation whatsoever to protect you as an individual. John Whitehead. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, he, he does an excellent job. I like what he does. Uh, he's written some great stuff. But uh, it, it is. We are, uh, they are an arm of oppression, and that really bothers me. I had some, uh, uh, some relatives back years ago who were in law enforcement, and they saw their job is to be out there to actually do what it said on the car, to serve and protect. That's gone. Apparently so. Makes me glad you know, I retired in 96. Oh, absolutely, Jim. And when you can see, as we have seen on repeatedly on uh, television, of course, it didn't make the news uh, like not like George Floyd because it wasn't proper for the time. But stop and think about that poor guy in New York who had six or seven cops on top of him and uh, actually ended up killing him because he was selling individual cigarettes without a tax. Ooh. <laughs> Man, in the grand scheme of things, one little teeny sand, grain of sand on the beach. <laughs> yeah, what does that matter that he was at? You know, he was probably trying to make enough money to buy, you know, he might have been trying to make enough money to buy some more wine. But regardless, and then that uh, thing that came up in uh, uh, the, the cop in uh, Chattanooga, I think it was, who uh, uh, stopped a, a guy for a, a crime, uh, a crime. He stopped him for a taillight that was out. And something happened between them uh, during their altercation, which I think is prompted by this new training. And the guy just turns and runs. He happened to be black. He turns and runs to get away from the white cop. The white cop pulls out the gun, shoots him in the back, and kills him. For a taillight? Good grief. 
we've we've lost touch with reality but people the unfortunately and it it hurts me to say it but you see someone i know my total attitude has changed if i'm driving down the road and i see a cop in my rearview mirror i am not happy no comrade mike uh yes he was committing a crime it was rwb running yeah. while black running while black yes you're right that you know do you remember seeing that brent do you remember seeing that video no but i've heard of all kinds of stuff like that so well i lay low a, a person took that video who wasn't even involved in the issue and he took the video had it not been for the video but did you know they couldn't find a jury to convict that cop of shooting a man in the back what really no no, the jury wouldn't convict him. He went through three mistrials. And they Aaron finally gave Rivers up tr trying to give up, trying to convict him. In Riverside County, California, uh, probably back around the early 2000s, a news helicopter was above a scene where some plainclothes cops had a guy cuffed on the ground, on his knees. The cop pulls his uh, gun out and shoots the guy in the head. And the department tried to refute it and everything, but the airplay on the news was too much. Well, look, Brent, at what we call now the uh, courts have said that uh, cops have implied immunity. So if they're in the performance of their jobs, they can do whatever the hell they want to. There is no recourse. Isn't it true, though, that it's it's not so much this, you know, going after blacks as it is because um, some policemen have said that they've had to uh, go after more white people. They were white men in particular, you know. Well, the the Mert, Mert, that's a great point because uh, I read somewhere someone brought out the statistics that, uh, you know, the cops actually, uh, by percentage of population, they kill just as many whites as they do blacks. Actually more. It's, it's equal opportunity murder. Thank you, Jim. I guess Jim should know. Oh, and I wanted to say, too, the name of that book is uh, A Government of Wolves. That makes better sense, right? Not oh, a yes. Nation. And um, thank you, Lisa, for finding Whitehead so I could find that. Well, thank you, uh, Encyclopedia Murr. <laughs> we, we love you, girl. I don't Our know why you search send engine. Yeah, I don't know why you send me an email wanting to know if I'm mad at you. Uh oh, she went silent. I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, I was laughing. Uh, well, actually, I didn't think you were mad at me. I just got spoiled because I was getting a lot of emails from you there for a while and then nothing. So I thought, uh oh. <laughs> no, well, un unfortunately, I'm dealing with some health issues with my life with my wife, sweetheart. So uh, oh. uh, I've got a lot less time. I spent five hours at the hospital with her yesterday. Oh, so no. I'm. So I'm, uh, I've got a lot less time to dedicate to my emails and other projects. Is there so, anything uh, you can share with us about that? We'd like to pray for her. Well, uh, I'm sure she will totally appreciate the prayers. Of, she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and then they found out that her blood has no iron. Something is causing an iron loss in her blood. And so yesterday... Uh, we sat, uh, well, they wouldn't let me in because I told them uh, they could take their mask and shove it. Uh, but uh, 
they wouldn't let me in with her, but I sat outside for five hours. She had transfusions, blood transfusions for five hours. She didn't take any shots, did she? Nope, but uh, we don't know what's in that blood, and she and I talked about that. But, uh, you know, you have to flip a coin. You have to make a choice somewhere. And, and uh, so... Oh, she did take one to go in the hospital then? or No, no, she would not take the vaccination, and that, that created some uh, ill will. And, uh, you know, like I really give a darn. But uh, oh. that created some ill will with some hospital folks, and they really didn't like me when I told them where they could put their mask uh, and, uh, so, uh, but anyway, yes, I had her there yesterday uh, about seven thirty, and, uh, uh, I think we were out of there about one thirty, two o'clock yesterday afternoon. Well, she's probably weak then too, if she's not. Oh, uh, I got, I got her home and she collapsed on the bed and, uh, you oh. know, she, she needed the rest. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't need to tell the whole world about it, but, uh, right. uh, that is why that, uh, I've been, uh, not so. Uh, busy on email or anything else. Well, like, you know, shedding you know, and transmitting any, from uh, these that have been shot her, Did they actually look problem. at her blood? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm curious sorry. if they looked at her blood because people who, even though they've been, haven't been injected with this stuff, if they're around people who have, their blood is ending up screwed up totally just from the yeah. transmission of this junk. That's and as a saying. result, so, they can't carry oxygen, and they have that basic anemic feeling. Well, this was something I still don't understand it. I'm about as medical as a rock. But uh, one of the things that the doctor was explaining yesterday, because they called her in for this, uh, she had had a short transfusion the day before, and then suddenly we get a call from a nurse and said, oh, you got to be at the hospital in the morning. And that's not always a good uh, thought, but they said mm -hmm. that there was uh, the platelets, I believe is what they platelets, said in the yeah. blood, platelets or platelets, uh, that that was a serious issue, and she had to get this transfusion right away. Uh, yeah, it could well be that she was, you know, I, I had a, recording here if i can find it i'll send it to you um but basically when the blood of people that are exposed to other people who have had these covid jabs the blood red blood cells just take on they're just totally screwed up and they're unable to uh, carry oxygen they're you know basically they're the same kind of thing that you would have with anemia and right. uh, you know, if that's what's going on you know the only thing you can hope is these you know uh, transfusions weren't more, you know, injected blood. Otherwise, it's not right. going to do much good. But uh, well, if I can find that, I'll send it to you. Appreciate that, Jim. Uh, what we're what I'm trying to do right now is just make sure she gets all the rest she can get. Yeah, keep her away from anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's about about the best you can do because you know the, you're having a sec second and third uh, case of uh, you know transmission where. You know, you might have two people that didn't have shots, but each one of them has been around someone that has, or even around each other, and it's enough of a dose. Well, we started into the hospital yesterday, kind of a little bit of a humorous point. We started into the uh, hospital, and uh, we got a few steps, and she said, oh, no, I've got to go back to the car. And I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And she looked at me and whispered at me, and she said, I still got my gun in my purse. Might need to hang on to it, Casey. Like trying to do something to you. It's a keeper. Um, yeah. May I make two recommendations? Um, Please. 
The first would be to get a D-dimer test, and that'll help you know see the level of uh, blood clotting and how it's moving. And then the other thing is to keep her away from EMF and Wi-Fi as much as possible because that clots the blood as well. And if she's already low iron, I think that'll just further complicate things. Well, thank you for that. I'll be sure and pass it along. But uh, she was told by uh, her uh general practitioner that uh, the uh, something about the rheumatoid arthritis was causing the depletion of iron in her blood. I don't know that formula. I don't even know how that works, but it doesn't sound right to me. That's total bull. Well, the blood is very much affected by EMF and it affects the function of if you can, um, keep her away from EMF as much as possible. And if you can get structured water into her, and I guess this uh, one thing, I forget what it's called that you're selling. Yeah, the um, care. care. My understanding is that structures the water, if I'm not mistaken, because isn't that why people are drinking it? Mm-hmm. Mike, so, I'm going to send you an Itericare. Um, well, Jim, I appreciate that, buddy. I'm going to send you one along with a uh, thing that tells you how to use it. And uh, like I said, if you have time, I know with all the stuff you got going on, you can check out my um, uh, YouTube channel that has a playlist with a bunch of videos showing how people have used these things. And um, the best part, it's not going to hurt her. And as long as she doesn't have any implanted devices or anything like that, you should be ready to go. And um, But I will, uh, I'll try and get one in the mail to you tomorrow if at all possible well i appreciate this and for all of you people out there uh, she has, is a retired school teacher and she is a math a very math oriented person and this is the truth that opposites attract because she has accused me of 40 some years now of having a head full of useless knowledge and here you both have very useful knowledge good team <laughs> Yeah, she's she's special. I remember our very first date. She said, uh, the first thing that you uh, need to know about me is uh, the most domestic thing about me is I live in a house. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow, Jim, time has flown by, buddy. Yeah, Uh, we're having too much fun. We are just about out of it. (laughs) Yeah, we're having too much fun, buddy. Yep. Well, even with all the sleepers. But uh, yes. tomorrow during this time frame, we'll have uh, Mike and uh, Whistling Dixie. And Mike, uh, real quick, tell them the other places they can find you, Telegram and well, Facebook. Well, on Telegram, I've got a uh, class that I teach, uh, a video class, uh, audio class, not video. Nobody wants to look at me. An audio class on Tuesday nights uh, for two hours. It's uh, Teach Me True History. This past week, we went over the speeches of Patrick Henry, at least one of them. And uh, then I am on with Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, DW, and Cal and I will be on with our uh, Addicted to Our Own Destruction once a month. And we're looking forward to that. And uh, then again, and always, I love my Thursdays. And you're on Saturday, 10 a.m. RBN. Yes, I forgot about that with my good friend, good friend Stephen that I met at the uh, Dixie Fest up in uh, Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. So I'm yeah, looking forward to Yeah, I heard him on the mic there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's it for today. We are out of time. Everything worked out just right. 
Mike, thanks so much for being here again, as always. And everybody else, we appreciate you being here. We'll be back live on Monday. Mike will be doing Whistling Dixie tomorrow during this time frame. So take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you soon. Have a great weekend. God bless. Hey, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jim. Take care. God bless.